Hello, parents. Welcome to this episode of Rhythm 67. This is one of the special episodes of the week called Youth Culture in Review. Now, if you listen from the beginning, the first episode, I put all this together and it was a really long, like 40 minute show. So this week, what I've decided to do is do the Rhythm 67 portion by itself. That's the strategy for how you can share the gospel uh, in the lives of your students day in and day out. But then I also wanted to give you some news about youth culture so that you know what's going on in the life of your student. Um, because let's be honest, they don't tell you everything they hear in a day. And we may not want to hear everything that they hear or come to know or see in a day. Um, ideally, we'd like to guard that um, and keep their eyes and ears and mind and heart from hearing those things. But we're not able to do that. We know that. And I wish we could. I wish I could. But uh, we just can't guard them in that way. So what I'd like to do is help you understand how to have discussions, have some insights um, around the world that they live in, this youth culture uh, that really is separate in many ways from um the culture that you and I live in every day. So I just want to give you some insights in the youth culture in review. Now, here's the strategy that I use for this uh, and why I want to talk about culture. Several years ago, I read a book by Andy Crouch. Uh, he's the editor of Christianity Today, written several books, uh, but he wrote this book called Culture Making. And it's about um, the crux or the premise or the theme is that Christians should be in the world Making things. He uses the definition of culture very simply. He says, culture is what you make of the world. And so as Christians, we need to be out making something of the world, something great, something wonderful, something beautiful. We have the creator of all guiding us through his spirit. Why not allow that spirit to help us to create some tremendous and amazing things? And in the book, he talks about the way Christians traditionally approach um, culture. And all of these are necessary at different points, but when overused, then uh, they become harmful. So the four ways are that Christians have traditionally approached culture are this, condemning, critiquing, consuming, or copying. So first, condemning. When we see something wrong in the world, let's take a film or some music or a TV show, a book, whatever it is, we are wonderful at condemning things, right? We can tell everyone why it's so wrong, why no one should listen to it, why no one should watch it, because it's evil and ugly, right? There are times absolutely necessary for that, but that should not be our only approach towards culture. The next one is critiquing, and we may do more critiquing on here than anything, but um, it's critiquing and it's looking at what's been created in the world. Christians take this approach and talk about the goods, the bads, the negatives, but not engaging with it any more than that. That certainly is necessary. Uh, we need um, a critique of culture, but critique of culture without action uh, doesn't lead us anywhere. The next way is the consuming of culture. The Christians have just said, you know what? We can't do any better. Let's just join in. Uh, so we just go into the culture and consume everything that's produced um, instead of offering any alternatives to that. And then the last one is copying the culture that we just simply uh, become a part of it. And this one, I would say, is probably um, the most detrimental often or the most often. How would I say that is the most detrimental, the most often to us, because the scripture tells us that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Uh, and so to copy um, some of the culture um, uh, can be evil in many ways, can can lead us to places that we don't need to be. Uh, so there certainly are times when all of these approaches to culture are important, condemning, critiquing, consuming, and copying. 
But ultimately, I'd like this to be an encouragement to you to be creating something wonderful in the world. And part of creating, part of this creation opportunity that we have is that we have families. Uh, as parents, you have kids and you get to create a home that they live in. You get to create experiences that they live in. You get to create, well, you don't create, but you share with them information, which creates this culture of kind of gospel centeredness in your home. And that's really what I want to do. Now we can use cultural things, books and music and movies and things that our kids are involved in to have discussions that lead to the gospel. And that's what I want us to understand. We don't have to condemn everything, critique everything, consume everything or copy everything, but we can talk and say, how does this show us the emptiness in the world and what can we do about it? A great way to have some discussions. So this week I'm going to talk about a, a song that's popular right now. And I'm going to talk about uh, an app that your kids most likely use every day if you allow it. And then at the end we'll wrap up with some youth uh, news that you may or may not be aware about. So I'd like to first talk about a song and I'll just play the song as an intro here so you can hear a little bit about it. I was six years old, I broke my leg And I was running from my brother and his friends And tasted the sweet perfume of the mountain grass I rolled down I was younger then Take me back to when I found my heart all right, I'm going to pause right there. This is Ed Sheeran, a uh, British singer, popular in the States. Um, the song is called Castle on the Hill. Now, how cool is it that you live in a place where you have a castle on the hill? Uh, he talks about this song, in this song, how he'd sit and see the sun go down over this castle on the hill. I looked it up uh, in his home area um, where he grew up. There is a castle there, and, and just a pretty tremendous a song, pretty, pretty tremendous thought that you grow up and there's a castle there you watch the sun go down over. Now I picked this song because it really does have some life themes in it, um, that you can have discussions with about your students. I want to, re- or with your students about the song, but also lead to discussions about life and the gospel. Now I want to read some of the lyrics to you. Uh, I can't play the whole song on it on here for you, but I can read the lyrics and then at the end just kind of discuss them just a little bit. So he says, I found my heart and broke it here, made friends and lost them through the years. And I've not seen the roaring fields in so long. I know I've grown, but I can't wait to go home. Then the next says 15 years old and smoking hand rolled cigarettes, running from the law through the backfields and getting drunk with my friends. Had my first kiss on a Friday night. I don't reckon that I did it right. I was younger then. Take me back to when. And the next kind of uh, chorus or portion of the song, next verse, I guess it would be, we found weekend jobs when we got paid. We'd buy cheap spirits and drink them straight. Me and my friends have not thrown up in so long. Oh, how we've grown. But I can't wait to go home. And then um, I'm on my way driving at 90 down these country lane singing to tiny dancer and i miss the way you make me feel and it's real when we watch the sunset over the castle on the hill over the castle on the hill over the castle on the hill and that's the main chorus and then one last verse and i'm on my way i still remember these old country lanes 
when we did not know the answers and I miss the way you make me feel and it's real. Now, this song is nostalgic. It's reminiscent. Um, I hear maybe some regret in the lyrics. It's more, but more of the song is really more of a look back at all of the people and activities that made him who he is today. He says in one of the lines, but these people raised me. Um, and let me go to that lyric because I don't think I read that. It says, one friend left to sell clothes. One works down by the coast. One had two kids but lives alone. One's brother overdosed. One's already on his second wife. One's just barely getting by. But these people raised me, and I can't wait to go home. This is a great point of discussion for you and your students to talk about who has influence over their life. And if they don't understand that they become the people that they hang out with, this is an opportunity to share that with them. Ed Sheeran says in this song that I became these people, uh, and I can't wait wait to go back to them. I became, they raised me, they taught me so many things. And it's really twofold important for us. Number one, as parents, understanding that who you allow your kids to hang around has a tremendous influence over them, but then also helping your student understand in that that when they hang out with a certain group of people, that those people have influence over them and allowing the students to make the choice to step away sometimes or step into new relationships as opposed to you saying, you can't hang out with this person because that doesn't go well in that approach, that direction. But if you have a discussion, help them understand, um, then it's a better way, a better approach, I think, uh, to helping them understand the influence other people have uh, over them. So this song teaches us several things. Um, number one, on some levels, the culmination of our past experiences. We become what we've done in the past. And of course, we just talked about you become um, the people that you hang out with. So you could ask the question, based on the people you hang out with, what are you becoming? Or who are you becoming? All right. All right. It teaches us another thing. Number two, life happens in a hurry. You notice the song, I can't wait to go back, but it seems like it happened so fast. If life is not lived intentionally, then we really squander the gift God has given us. Now, is Ed Sheeran in the song longing to go back to make some different decisions? Is there a hint of regret? Maybe. Um, this line, me and my friends have not thrown up in so long, oh, how we've grown, seems to suggest that they're growing up, they're making better decisions. Um and maybe there's some regret there. I wish I'd have been grown up or more grown up then. But still the line says, I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to go back. Uh, this can lead to a great discussion about living in the moment. Um, you can ask, how can you live every day in such a way that you don't look back with regret? I mean, how can you live in the moment? Ask your students that question. Uh, and then number, number three, the last one is, there's something valuable and important about home, but I can't wait to go home. So Ed has this fondness about his home. How can you develop and foster this love for community and for your home in your student? How can you foster this idea of like, I, I just want to be home uh, in this place that made me, that I helped make it, it poured into me, I poured into it. Uh, this place, especially in your Christian home where you're sharing the gospel uh, with your students. So there's some three thoughts on the song. It's a very popular song now. Um, it plays on the radio. It's been out for uh, over a year, I believe. I don't, I'd need to look up the stats on if it was ever at number one. 
I believe it was for a while. I believe he's won some awards for the song as well. Very popular with the students. They would know it. Uh, So if it ever comes on the radio, now you've got some ammunition to discuss it a little bit. I always want to suggest some alternatives to um, music that's on the radio that you may not be aware of. So if you've never heard of Need to Breathe, then um, you might want to look into them as well. They are Christian believers, followers of Christ, uh, who produce music in the culture, popular culture. Now, they're big in church culture and Christian culture, but they're out there in the world producing music, uh, and you could look into them and listen to them. Here's one of their songs. Uh, I'll just kick off a little bit to you. Just need to breathe. They've got four or five albums out right now, and has a lot of kind of the, some of the same sounds as Ed Sheeran. You might look them up, uh, get your kids involved. Um, I just found out about Need to Breathe about two and a half years ago. And they have five, six albums out, some great music. So look them up. Um, you might enjoy them. All right, let's talk about apps like apps on phones that your kids carry in their pocket or in their hand with them everywhere they go, right? Um, okay, let's just, let's be honest. We do that too as parents. We have that phone on us everywhere we go. If someone's phone dings in the room, we'd look at ours just to see if it was ours by chance that so we got a notification from someone. Uh, but your students have them and they're using them and you need to be aware of what they're doing with them. Without a doubt, it's, it's an awesome opportunity to communicate for sure. But it's one of the biggest opportunities for evil to enter into the life of your kid, uh, like never before, honestly. Um, the Internet and Snapchat and um, other social media channels really open up some opportunity to, to put evil in the mind of your student very quickly and very easily with just really just the click of a button. So you need to be aware of what's happening on that phone. Um, that's your phone. Uh, I'm making the assumption that you're paying for that phone. That's your phone. You can take that phone and look at that phone whenever you want to. And if there's content on there, then you as a parent take care of that. And, you know, that should be obvious for some, but I talk to a lot of parents that are timid and shy about the, doing that. No, you're the parent. You're the one placed uh, in the life of that student by God to help um, control what goes into the mind and heart of that student. Uh, and so God has given you that opportunity. And I look at it as an opportunity. It's not a, a burden. It's an opportunity uh, to put uh, the things of the, lo- the Lord, the things of Christ into the mind of that student. So with that, you've got to guard against some other things that would go in there. Today, I want to talk about the app Snapchat. Um, 300 million users worldwide, I believe. Uh, I'll have to look that up and I'll, I'll verify that. Um, but a lot of users... Uh, on Snapchat right now. Most kids that I know use Snapchat uh, as I have discussions with them. Parents, you may have said to your kids, yeah, I don't care. You may not even know they're using it, but you need to be aware about this app. Now, it's sold or, or it's provided as a messaging app. It's free for users. They don't have to pay anything to use it. Um, and it's a messaging app, and it lets users put a time limit on pictures and videos and messages that they send before they disappear. So from like 1 to 10 seconds, you can send a picture, and it disappears. 
Most teens use the app to share goofy or embarrassing photos without the risk of them going public. So if they used Instagram, they would put, they could post pictures that stay there. People can go back and look at them 24, 48 hours, one year later, two years later. It's more like a picture journal on Instagram. But on Snapchat, they can be sent back and forth and they disappear. They go away because they're not made public. Now, let me just say, however, there are lots of opportunities to use this in other ways than how it's billed or, or sold to the students. Okay, so number one, these are three, well, four things I'll share with you you need to know. Number one, it's a myth that Snapchats go away forever. Okay, it's, it, let's not say a myth, it's a lie. Um, Snapchat said they go away, and then a few years later they came out and said, no, the data is still on our servers. And here's how they don't go away. Number one, it's stored on Snapchat servers. That information is still there. Um, whenever an image is sent, it never truly goes away, um, according to the company itself. But then number two, uh, and here's the, the way it gets ab- abused most often, is through the screenshot. So what a screenshot is, taking a picture of what's on the screen uh, on your phone if you don't know how to do it, ask your student. Say, how do I take a screenshot? They'll show you, and you'll know uh, that they, they understand how to do that right away. But what happens, someone sends a Snapchat, and the person who receives it takes a screenshot of that, thus copying the picture onto their phone. So um, you can only imagine what types of pictures get captured and then sent out into the world. I, I've heard many stories. I've read numerous stories and familiar with one personally of where a young lady thought it would be okay to send a picture to a young man where she was not clothed. The young man received the picture, screenshotted the, the picture, made a copy of it, sent it out to all of his friends. So it went from one copy to about 45 copies in just a matter of a few moments. Uh, and it's just amazing. Uh, and really ruined that girl in many ways and when she sent uh, that photo out. So you have to be aware of how this is being used with teens, um, and, and it's not good. It's really not good. Young men see it as a, a way to proposition women, um, young girls, young women, um, first of all for pictures, and then second of all, you can only imagine what would go on from there. You need to be aware of that, and that leads kind of to the second point. It for students, it seems like it makes sexting okay for them. So they think it's kind of this risk-free messaging. Um, so they share these pictures that contain these images that aren't appropriate. And so it kind of goes back into the first. First one and second one are, are together there. Uh, but be aware that uh, they feel kind of safe inside Snapchat. Like they can send things that, um, especially if it's a trusted person they communicate with, um, Maybe it's a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever the relationship is. They feel like they can send information that won't be let out. But then trust is broken all too often, and the person receiving shares it with someone else, screenshots it, uh, and then you see how the problems uh, really happen there. Now, if that was the main problem with Snapchat, you know, those things could be overcome, I think. You know, I would even consider allowing my teen to use it. But this next thing I want to share with you is the reason that I do not allow my kids to use Snapchat. Um, and here it is. There's a lot of iffy, clicky content. So because Snapchat is free to use, 
they had to find some way to make it um, profitable for them. So they sell what's called discovery channels or discovery stories inside of Snapchat. And so what this is is um, magazine publishers, TV networks, online sources, so like Cosmopolitan Magazine, I think Teen Vogue has one. Discovery Channel has one I've seen in there. Um, MTV has one uh, in there. They'll buy these, and you can kind of think of them as channels. They'll buy a spot inside the app, um, and they'll show videos and articles and quizzes uh, to whoever will click on them. Now, the reason I don't like and I won't allow my own kids to use Snapchat is because of the content inside of these discovery channels. Um, I can give you some headlines here so you can kind of understand where I'm coming from on this. A typical headline is something like this. This is what sex does to your brain. So if I'm a teenager and I'm in Snapchat thinking no one else is going to see what I read because there's no record of you having read or seen these discovery channels, then a young boy is like, I want to know what sex does to my brain. So he clicks that and it opens up all of this content um, sexual in nature um, that he does not need to be reading. Same way for the girls. They open that up. They do not need to be reading that. Um, another headline that uh, I read an article about was um, the side. Well, I don't even want to tell you that one because I mean, it's just really just horrible. Uh, I, don't, I don't even want to share that with you and have it recorded on here. Um, just trust me on this. Do a little research and you'll find that these discovery channels really are propagating evil into the minds of the kids through snapchat I mean, that's that's the no bones about it no holding back that's the truth and that's why i don't let my kids use it and that's why i would encourage you really to investigate this and um and see if you want to allow your kids to continue to use snapchat would it be a fight if you decided to take it away absolutely so be prepared i have some good discussions now the last thing i want to share with you about snapchat and we'll wrap up um, inside Snapchat, you can make phone calls, you can make video calls um, that have no record of those calls. So I can click on a friend inside there that I've made a connection with inside of Snapchat. I can click on, uh, and it's like a FaceTime call on iPhone, but it's inside the app. There's no record of it. There's no trace of it. So you can't go back and look at their call history and see who they've been talking to inside of Snapchat. Another reason you need to be aware, um, especially if you said, you know, I'm taking this away from you for a time. Uh, I'm taking your cell phone away from you for a time. And they have another device uh, that has Snapchat on it. They can get inside the app there and communicate with whoever they want inside that app. No record of it. You would never know. So I'd caution you heavily, heavily, heavily to be aware uh, of what's going on in Snapchat. All right, I want to wrap up with a little bit of youth culture news and some quotes. All right. I want to share with you a book that's come out. I have not read the book, um, but I want to share with you a quote from the book. I'll pick it up and kind of do a review of it at some point. And then uh, if you get a chance to read it, let me know uh, what you find in the book. But the book is titled Reclaiming Conversation, The Power of Talk in a Digital Age. And it's by, written by Professor Sherry Turkle. The reason I want to share the book with you is I want to share a quote with you uh, from the book. And it's a 15-year-old boy who's sharing this quote with the author, Sherry Turkle. And here's what the 15-year-old boy says. Someday, he wanted to raise a family, 
not the way his parents are raising him with phones out during meals and in the park and during his school sports events, but the way his parents think they are raising him with no phones at meals and plentiful family conversation. (laughs) So he said, I want to raise my kids, not how my parents are raising me, but how they think they are raising me with no cell phones. So what does this do? This is really an indictment for us as parents on how we use our electronics, our devices around our kids uh, and the time that we spend with it. Uh, this kid, he's, he's spot on. He noticed, he saw. Oh, and I'll challenge you this. Go to a sporting event. Go to an activity where your kids are involved. And maybe you got your phone in your pocket, but look around and look at all the other parents. Uh, look at what they're doing. The game is going on. The play is going on. The recital is going on. And they're looking at their phones. And this kid has really identified the problem with our culture, uh, that we are so consumed by the content on there that we really miss out on what's going on in the life of our family. I want to use this quote to encourage you to be present uh, in your activities. Designate phone time um, outside of work, of course. Designate phone time uh, for the social aspect of electronics and electronic use. Then I want to wrap up this week with a story from Netflix. Um, I don't know if you use Netflix, like eight bucks a month, and you can stream all kinds of television shows and movies into your home. Uh, really, some good shows come on there. Um, I think they do a good job of having some variety on there. But I was really floored when I read this this week. Netflix has taken a bold corporate stance and created several strains of branded weed. Okay, so this is not like dandelions in the yard. This is branded marijuana for shows on its platform. So it's a marketing stunt for a new show that's coming out called Disjointed. I do not know the content of the show. I can assume if they're making branded weed and it's called Disjointed, I can make some assumptions, I guess. Um, but uh, as several more states have recently approved of recreational or medicinal marijuana, um, they, I guess it's seen as okay by Netflix now to use it as a branding or marketing strategy. So uh, they've literally branded uh, some weed for their shows uh, as a marketing ploy. Now, uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this. <laughs> Number one, using something that's illegal in many states to market um, seems crazy to me. Uh, why would they do that? But it, I think it shows where we're at in our culture and the point of moral decay that we've come to, that this is okayed by someone at Netflix. Um, this has been said, yeah, let's go for it. Uh, it's seen as acceptable. Uh, it's an acceptable practice. So some discussions you could have with your students around this. Is it better to try to ban marijuana or is it better to take it out of the shadows and regulate it? Uh, see what they think about that. See what they say. If you've never had a discussion about your uh, with your students about marijuana use, uh, this would be a good opportunity to do that as well. Just share with them the article. Uh, I'll post a link to it in the show notes about branded weed. See what they think. And what's going to floor you is if you've never had this discussion is you're going to find it. it's amazing how many of their friends smoke marijuana. <laughs> how uh, It's staggering, to be honest with you. Um, how many people see this as an acceptable practice? Uh, it's a mind-altering sub- substance. How many of them see this as an acceptable practice? So I want to share the story with you this week just to encourage you to have those conversations with your kids. Uh, talk with them about marketing uh, and how 
much we're controlled by marketing in our, in our culture today, how it really um, drives the way we think in a lot of ways based on the content that we see. We're, we see, I, I would say, for sure hundreds, but maybe thousands of ads every day um, because those ads are inside of the social networks and Facebook and, and many other things. Ask them how marketing has an influence or an impact on them and, and see what they have to say and then ask them how they can respond in different ways uh, to that marketing than what's desired by the marketer. Um, so I want to share that story with you and just wrap up uh, with that thought for the week. Thank you for listening to uh, Rhythm 67, the youth culture news. Um, we'll do some more of these in the coming weeks. Talk about songs, movies, books. If you have any suggestions, I would love to hear from you. Other than that, hope you have a great week. Um, please subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. We'll talk soon. Bye. I'm asking you to show me some forgiveness It's all for you in my pursuit of happiness